0: Well, praise God. We have all these great, uh, great special guests with us today. We've got, we've got the Olsons, and thank you for leading us, and thank you for continuing to lead us at, uh, throughout the day today, all the way until tonight, in worshiping our great God and King. I also want to say hello to TK. We're Tim Kretanik. He's uh, here somewhere. I saw him. He's back here. we got everybody from Indiana is coming today. And we got the Wises here through... Cambodia, and you probably came through Indiana before that. So, all is well. I'll tell you, I um, love the Word of God. I spent a lot of time preparing this message this week, as I try to each week. But I must tell you that this sermon really has been prepared over 25 years. Because uh, I've, I've never preached Psalm 100 before, but I have lived daily with it since 1982. When I became a believer as a uh, second-year college student, that was one of the first uh, passages of Scripture I memorized—Psalm 23 and Psalm 100—and I, I was in some kind of a small group where we were encouraged to do that. And I am so grateful to God for that opportunity because, really, on a daily basis, maybe once, maybe five times a day, I I recite Psalm 100. I'll do it in my mind, I'll do it in my head, in my heart, I'll do it out loud, our family does it. Everybody in our family knows Psalm 100 and Psalm 23. It's just one of those things. It's Psalm 100, Psalm 23, and the Lord's Prayer. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a part of my life. And probably that's why I've never preached on it. <laughs> I'm afraid to. Uh, it, Psalm 100 for me has been a constant companion for 25 years. It has been a continual comfort. It has been a source of encouragement. God has used it to shape me. We've all been shaped by certain scriptures. Every one of us, you have scriptures that you, have, that you, that, that you hold dear. That You love the whole word of God, but there's something that God uh, resonates in your soul from certain scriptures. Psalm 100 is like that for me. And uh, God has used it to shape me. So please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 100 and stand with me for the word of God. Psalm 100 is a well-known psalm. You can see by the title it's a psalm for thanksgiving. It's a psalm for giving thanks. it focuses on God's kingship over all creation. So let's read. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people. And the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of God. And Lord God, please open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in it today. We pray in Jesus' name. Please be seated. Or you can keep standing if you want. But Psalm 100 is a really well-known psalm. It's a psalm for thanksgiving. It focuses on God's kingship. It's the last of seven psalms, Psalm 93 and then Psalm 95 through 100 that focus on God's kingship. Picturing God as king over the universe. It deals in large part with who God is and then how we are to appropriately express ourselves to him. How can we appropriately express ourselves to God? That's the topic of Psalm 100. How should we exp- be expressing ourselves to God? Um, we see six imperatives here that beautifully, beautifully, and clearly uh, show us the way and what it is our privilege to do. First, it's our privilege to honor God, to joyfully honor God. Uh, verse 1 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord. Or uh, some versions say, make a joyful noise to God. Shout joyfully. I don't know how, if do you shout very often? Do you shout a lot? Don't point at anybody in your family, please. But do you shout? Sometimes, because I have lived with this psalm so much, while I am driving in my car, I will shout. Not at the other drivers, but shout to God. I will just give it all I've got. The window's rolled up. Um, Shout joyfully to God. It's a shout of loyalty and and homage. It is paying due respect to the one you are shouting to. Uh, The the meaning of this word, the the Hebrew word is ruah. It's a very interesting meaning. Uh, it, It has a meaning to split the ears with sound. To literally split the ears with sound or to blow a trumpet loudly. Or to, shout, to sound the shofar. I know the life builders class uh, sounds something that sounds like a shofar, but it's made out of plastic. But to shout with joy to God. Now the primary overall meaning of that word is to raise a shout, to raise a noise, by shouting for the purpose of honor. To, to raise a shout, to give a blast, to do a battle cry, to enthusiastically honor someone. We see it in, in 1 Samuel In chapter 10, when Saul had been, uh, God was choosing Saul as king. And where was Saul? He was hiding behind the baggage. He didn't want to do the job. But God says, where is Saul? And they say, well, he's hiding behind the baggage. And then he brings him out and he says, have you, and Samuel says, uh, have you seen anyone like Saul, the Lord's anointed? And the people shouted and said, long live the king. Long live the king. They shouted to honor him and and that's the idea and it says shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth the whole earth God is the king of all people whether they acknowledge him or not he is king all lands are called to acknowledge all peoples are called to acknowledge God's kingship over all to acknowledge his reign now verse 1 pictures the psalmist as as worship leader as as Charlie or as Jeremiah the psalmist as worship leader or the priest as worship leader calling on the people to join him together in honoring God, in praising God. Now, the question may, may have been raised in your mind, are we supposed to yell in public? Like right now, should we yell right now, shout joyfully to the Lord? Well, uh, all things should be done in order and all that, but if you, if you uh, are inspired by God to shout to him in praise... Uh, What does that mean? Are we supposed to yell in public? All I would say is this. We are to focus on joyfully honoring God in every way that he inspires us to. In every way that he leads us to. Uh, If we do this first thing, if we honor God, if we we do this, we will be inspired to do the second thing. Because the second thing is that we would willingly serve him. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, the Hebrew word here means to work, to labor, to toil. But in the context, it means to serve or, or even to worship, to give worship to. Um, now, sometimes people are forced to do things, right? You're coerced into something. You don't want to do it, but you do it. Uh, there's forced labor and other things like this. You're obligated. But service to God is a privilege that doesn't seem like an obligation, service to god is the glad response of those who've been saved by his grace who have who have come to the cross of christ and realized that he paid the penalty for their sins and and did what they could not do and drew them to himself and gave them what they could never earn or deserve so the service is this idea this loving service to god is this grace grateful response to the grace of god in Colossians chapter three we're instructed to uh, in everything we do, do all things in the name of the lord jesus uh, to, when i when I first became a believer early on as a, as a college student when I became when I came to know Jesus, I wanted to serve God in every way imaginable um, the thought that God had chosen me, the thought that God had forgiven me of my sins, the thought that God had 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 intervened in my life and initiated towards me and that he was changing me. Well, that made me want to serve him. That made me want to do what would would be focused upon him every day for the rest of my life. Now, every day for the rest of my life, for 25 years so far at least, I haven't done that. But it has been a desire in my heart and God uh, continually uh, strengthens that desire. It is something I desire to do. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 says When Christ who is our life is revealed You also will be revealed with him in glory And I cling to that verse It says that Jesus is my life Jesus is not just something I tack on to my life Jesus is my very life He is the center He is the core And if so then everything revolves around him Everything revolves around him And so I want to honor him I want to serve him Well not only should we honor God And serve God but we must do something else, and we see it right here in the text. Uh, in verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord himself is God. And that means that we must honestly acknowledge him, that he is worthy of our acknowledgement. Uh, this, this idea of knowing that God is God means that we experience him and be, or we are fully convinced of the truth about who he is. Fully convinced about the truth. Then we acknowledge his sovereignty, we acknowledge his goodness, we acknowledge his greatness. We acknowledge his kingship over all, that he is God, that he is creator. It says here, uh, come before him with joyful singing. Verse 3, know that the Lord himself is God. It's he who has made us and not we ourselves. So if we didn't make ourselves, there's no self-made people. If we didn't make ourselves, then everything is dependent upon God. Know that the Lord Himself is God. He's our our Creator. He's our God. We're we're His people, so we're His subjects, so He's our King. And He's also our Shepherd. He says, We're the sheep of His pasture. We're the sheep that He is taking care of in His pasture. Reminds us of Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my Shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my Shepherd. See, the image of God as our Shepherd is a very rich one, a very full one. Uh, The Shepherd stays with His sheep. He cares for his flock. Look at Isaiah 40. Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 11. Isaiah 40 in verse 11 says, Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Like a shepherd, he tends his flock. He cares. He he leads. The, The shepherd he stays with the sheep. He cares for them. He, the sheep are totally dependent on the shepherd for their food and for their, their water and for their protection, for their provision. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus revealed that he is the shepherd of his people. Look in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep verse 14 he repeats it I am the good shepherd I know my own and my own know me I'm their shepherd they're my sheep I know them they know me now before I came to know Jesus I I would have said that I that I was acknowledging God I was one of those uh, Christians in name only because I grew up in America and uh, my parents took me to church so I I figured hey you know don't tell me I'm not a Christian well, I'll tell you what I was as lost as lost could get um, and lost is as lost does I did not serve God I did not know him I was doing it all on my own and, and I may have said I was serving God there were times in my life as a kid I remember saying well I'm doing this for the Lord or whatever and and I didn't know the gospel I didn't understand the cross but I was doing it on my own and even my thanksgiving was self-centered My thanksgiving was so that god would give me more of what he was giving me And of course, it was all focused on the good The thanksgiving was only for the good things Never for what was bad i you know, I thank him to get more of what he was giving me not because my heart was truly grateful I remember those days in my life. I, I look back and I shudder Sometimes you look forward and you shudder too, and you think of what you're doing today at times, because we are uh, so imperfect. None of us has it wired. All of us probably feels like we're hanging by a thread on a daily basis. But my heart was not truly grateful, but in Christ, everything changes. When I came to know Jesus, everything changed. Well, he was my God. He was the shepherd of my soul, and I acknowledge that. Do you, know, do you know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, if you believe that he died for your sins, you believe that he paid the penalty for you, he died on the cross and he rose again, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it and 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 follow him. Acknowledge him as Savior, follow him as Lord. If we're going to acknowledge him, it's got to be acknowledging the true God. Now, the next thing in this psalm is so obvious. You're like, well, of course, this is what this psalm's about. It's about the thanksgiving part. Uh, we're to verbally thank God. Verbally and, and in our hearts, but we're to, we're to thank him. Verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Literally a thank offering. Enter his gates with a thank offering. Um, God is worthy of our thanks. Uh, that, again, that's very obvious. But entering his gates with thanksgiving, that word thanksgiving literally means to extend your hand to offer something, to, um, to, to throw something even, or to cast something. Um, it's used with regard to making a confession or a vow or, again, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Uh, a thanksgiving it pictures, uh, let's say like in Nehemiah when they were so rejoicing because the wall had been completed and a thanksgiving choir was going in procession. It reminds us, uh, it pictures for us a thanksgiving choir in procession, people giving thanks to God. Uh, It's very easy for us in America to think of all these things uh, individualistically, right? Just about me and Jesus. But these are things that are together. These are things, um, it is he who has made us, not we ourselves. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, it pictures a group of people going in procession to thank God. Uh, To return thanks to him. Jesus. Every time he broke bread. You saw him giving thanks. He always gave thanks to the father. Um, You see Jesus. Here's Jesus. Uh, He was let's say feeding the 5,000. Or uh, with the disciples on on the road to Emmaus. After he had uh, been killed for our sins. Even before his own crucifixion. Even then. um, He thanked the father. Uh, Jesus. The one who. As God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as Psalm 50 verse 10 tells us. He who who became flesh and dwelt among us. God himself, who became flesh and dwelt among us, he made himself entirely dependent upon the Father while he was here on earth for the provision of all his needs and he returned thanks to the Father. He thanked God for what he provided. See, the truly spiritual person is a person with a grateful heart. A person with a thankful soul. A person who has a deep gratitude to God for everything that comes into their life. Be that good, be that bad, be that positive, be that negative, and everything in between. Look at John 11. Remember John 11, there was a situation going on. Lazarus had died. Mary and Martha, his sisters, had gone to get Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus comes to the tomb where Lazarus was buried, and and in verse 41, they remove the stone of the tomb, and Jesus raises his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing here, I said it. So that they may believe that you sent me. That his thanksgiving to the Father was proof to those standing around that he had been sent from the Father. Jesus thanked the Father and we see it continually. And then let's flip over to 1 Thessalonians 5. Because there we see that's what we should do too. It is God's will. If you're wondering about God's will for your life today, we can answer the question right now. Okay, it'll be really clear right after we read these verses. You say, Lord, what's your will for me today? Well, here you go. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always. We don't like those definite things, do we? These concrete always kind of things. But rejoice always. Uh, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. There you go. Uh, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks And you're, gonna, you're asking right now, well how do you know that's God's will for my life? Well because of the next, the next phrase For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus Case closed <laughs> That's it Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks Now of course there's a lot of other things But if you're wondering, start there Start where God says this is my will for you And I think the rest will kind of flow a little bit uh, better. Um, Jesus gave thanks. We are to give thanks. There's this new book out right now. I'm not planning on getting it. You might have it. It's okay. I'm not slamming the book or anything. But Deborah Norville wrote this book. It's called uh, Thank You Power. She was uh, recently on Larry King Live and was talking about this book. And I was watching. And, you know, it's the whole idea of two simple words, thank you, that can really change lives. But she said something that was like, oh no. She goes, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter, you know, just thank and it'll be good, you know? And it's like, it doesn't matter what religion you come from, whatever. And, and in some sense, that's true, right? Thanking people is always good, but you can always thank people for the wrong reasons. I have thanked people to gain an advantage before, <laughs> all right? So you know you can do it for the wrong reason. But the, the thing that made me sad was there was no. You know what? It starts with God. That's where Thanksgiving starts. It's just, it starts with all of us and just go do it for everyone and everyone's going to feel good. And there's a lot of power to that. And she's quoting the psychologist and so on and so forth. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's just so incomplete. And if you don't have the starting point, what do you have ultimately? What do you have? Um, We need to say thank you, but we need to say thank you to God. God must be the focus of our thanks. And yes, of course, thank people all the time. But it's got to come from a heart of gratitude to God first. So, what else? Look at verse 4 again with me. Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with ah, praise. So there's another privilege of ours. Um, or even, you can call it a duty. It's a, you call it an imperative, but I like the word privilege. It, to energetically praise him. To praise God. Enter his gates, his courts with Praise. Now, the Hebrew word here, uh, tilah, means a psalm, a song of praise, a hymn. It's a technical musical term for a song that exalts God. A song that exalts God. We've sung songs this morning that exalt God. We'll we'll sing another one at the end of the service. Um, We can sing songs of praise to God all day long, but this is the idea, to praise Him with a joyful song. Now, this interesting thing here. It says... um, and In verse 2, it says, come before him with joyful singing. Here in verse 4, come into his courts with praise. And the idea here is the gates and the courts is that this procession of people are coming into the temple. They're coming into the temple to worship God. But then they're pictured as sheep. Now, why would sheep be going into the courts of the temple? They weren't going into the courts of the temple to to bleat melodies to the shepherd and, and enjoy the company of the flock. They were going into the temple for bloody sacrifice. There's no other reason for the sheep to be there but to be sacrificed to God. In a very messy way, by the way. In a very blatant way. They're going there, and I think the tie-in for us is, it can be very clear here. Our purpose in our praise is not just for us to feel good. There are certain songs I sing where I feel really good. I even feel really good about how I'm singing them. That just loses it. The idea of our purpose in praise is to offer ourselves up to God as a sacrifice. As, a, as, as Romans 12 talks about it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, what, does it tell, what, what does it say we are to do? Those who are um, dearly uh, beloved by God by the mercies of God present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship don't be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is that what is good and acceptable and perfect offer yourself as a living sacrifice a sacrifice of praise Hebrews the book we've been studying since January speaks in Hebrews 13 about offering to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name The fruit of the lips, giving thanks to God. So we see the idea of praising him, and it really has a tie in here with sacrifice and giving ourselves up to God for his purpose. Now the last imperative that we see here in this psalm is the idea of blessing God, and this is the one that I've had the most trouble figuring out in my mind, Okay, my simple mind. Uh, Verse 4 says, Give thanks to him and bless his name. Uh, It literally means to speak well of him. Now, I can get my hands around that. Uh, Speak well of him. Now, we often, or at least I do, I often think of blessing the other way around. Seeking God's blessing, especially on something I'm planning to do, right? Lord, bless the effort. Uh, That's not a bad prayer, as long as we say, if the Lord wills, we're going to do this or that. Um, But here, we're told to bless God. Now, we know that God blesses us every moment of every day. In every way, he provides for us, he protects us, he leads us, he guides us, he's with us. But this idea of blessing God, the Hebrew word is barak. It literally means to bend your knees, to kneel down on the ground, to literally bow down on the ground, to kneel. There is a picture in this. When we kneel before God, we are humbling ourselves before God. We are, we are putting ourselves in a position where we're not in charge. Well, we're not in control. We're relinquishing that, even in the act of kneeling. So, blessing uh, in those days, there was a very close connection between um, kneeling and receiving the blessing. You remember in Old Testament uh, pictures where you know maybe Abraham or Joseph they're blessing their sons, and they kneel. The 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 e kneels down to receive the blessing. Uh, in those days, it was a very kind way of greeting someone, to kneel and to bless their name, to kneel and to speak well of them. We're in Psalm 100 right now. Just look over, probably in your Bible, or maybe turn one page to Psalm 103. It starts in verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, um, and, don't, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. We're speaking well of God. Uh, Psalm 104 Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, you are very great. Well, that's speaking well of his name. Now, Job spoke well of God's name. Job had more things happen to him than we probably will ever have happen to us. But Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When we sing that worship song, blessed be thy name, we're talking about when things are bad. We're talking about when things are dark. We're talking about when you're going through fog and you can't see clear in your life. Um, Job was able to call God blessed blessed because he recognized his blessings came from God. And so can we. We are to humbly bow before God Both, I think both physically and spiritually there is something about getting on your knees before God. Whether it's by your bedside or in, in the midst of our congregation there is something about getting on our knees before God and then, and then speaking well of his name. Now, we're supposed to be honest with each other, right? I remember when I spoke to the, our college uh, group uh, earlier this year, I said, I'm going to make a deal with you. I won't tell you what you want to hear if you won't tell me what you think I'll want to hear. Let's be honest with each other this weekend. And we, and we had some good discussions. But I want to be honest with you. On a daily basis, I feel like I am barely getting by. Many times. Not, that's internal. Okay, I'm not talking about you know the things I'm doing. I'm talking about internal. I feel like I am barely getting by. I feel like I am... Uh, uh, a lot of the time, fearful, worried, concerned beyond what is no- natural about things, impatient, um, feeling completely unable to even leave my family, much less lead this church. Um, for example, our family almost, praise God, but almost every day we get into the Word together. We read something or we do Psalm 100. If, that's, if it's late and about time to go to bed, we'll just do Psalm 100. We do those things, and I'm in the word, and I'm praying, but I feel like I'm doing, but not trusting. So I want to be really honest with you today. I I am not trusting. I'm doing. Yeah, there's moments of trust. Doing, but not trusting. I'll tell you, before, right before I came up, uh, Jeremiah, what he said, God did something in my heart where I was like, hmm, I'm going up there. Right before that, I was like, I can't go up there. Um... But by the grace of God, I live because my Savior lives. Same with you. You probably feel like you're just getting by many times. I think it's fine to be able to say, I'm not, I don't have it wired. I don't have it in control. I'm not, I'm not what you might think I am because we look at people on the outside. Yeah, I'm wearing a tie today, but you look at people on the outside and you might think, oh yeah, everything's cool all the time. That's not what's going on on the inside. I've asked people before. Somebody I knew was going through something really deep, but they were always like just cool on the outside. I said, how do you do it? And they're like, I'm hurting. But on the outside, I would never have guessed. Why do we do these things? And when I say these things, what I mean is honor and serve and acknowledge and praise and thank and and bless God. Why? Why do we do it? It just kind of flows out of us when we're in tune with God. But why do we do these things? Well, they have to do with giving God what is due Him. Offering to Him what is His due, what what, what is appropriately His. They are the appropriate response of a person or a family or a church that recognizes God's rule as king and desires to direct their lives towards them and their community towards them, towards Him. It's all because of who He is. See, our well-being is due to him being our king and our shepherd. And to put it really simply, he is worthy of our thanks and praise and blessing and all these things because no one else is. He is the only one that is worthy of these things. Psalm 48, 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So why do we do what we do? First, because God is good. Look at verse 5. For the Lord is good. That's why. There's the answer. For the Lord is good. God is good. And that that Hebrew word means a lot of things. Get this. It means pleasant, beautiful, excellent, lovely, delightful, joyful, fruitful, precious, kind, correct, righteous, virtuous, and more. It, It means moral goodness in contrast to moral evil. God is the source of all goodness. Everything he does is good. He can never do anything that is not good. So we do what we do as people who are indebted to God because he is good. And then also because he is merciful. He is merciful. Some of your, uh, most of your Bibles say something like, his loving kindness is everlasting. It, it, it literally Loving kindness literally means loyal love, unfailing love, steadfast love, um, mercy. Mercy. Literally, the the word points to the idea of mercy, that God is full of mercy towards his people. And that those he he is in covenant with, he showers them with mercy. Just showers them with mercy. He's holding back his wrath against our sin and showering us with mercy. And he doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he gives us what we do not deserve, his undeserved favor. See, mercy opens the door for us to receive grace. As he is holding back the wrath against our sin and extending to us his undeserved favor, we are able to accept it because the wrath does not come fully upon us because the wrath went fully upon Jesus at the cross. Psalm 85, 7 says, to the, say, prayer to God, and it says, Show us your loving kindness, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. So we do what we do because God is good, because he is merciful, but also because he is faithful. He is faithful. He keeps his word. And another way to translate that word, uh, Faithfulness is truth. Some of your Bibles might even have that. Uh, he is his truth to all generations. God always does, again, what is right and true, and he can be trusted to keep his word. People are going to let us down. God never will, ever. So God's goodness, his, his merciful, loving kindness, and his faithfulness inspires our thanks and our praise and our returning back to him. And I think that Psalm 100, and maybe it's because I've been living with it for 25 years, but Psalm 100 sums up so much in the Christian life. It sums up so much. It changes our perspective. It changes my attitude often. It connects with the, with the truth that we, uh, as servants of Jesus, cannot do anything apart from him. You might think I bring up John 15, 5 a little bit too much. When Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I love the nothing part. <laughs> Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I can't do anything apart from Jesus. I can't thank God or anything else. Can't do it. Not in the way that God intends. And then Psalm 100 is focused on this idea of saying what needs to be said. Doing what needs to be done. Um, we, be, we are who we are in Christ and, the, and it flows out. So we say, we do. It doesn't start with that. It starts with who we are in Jesus. Being before doing. But there are these expressions... That come out of what God has done in our hearts. You know that old childhood comeback when somebody uh, messes with you and says something that really hurts. What do you say? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me. That's a lie. It's just a lie. There's that other one. I am rubber, you're glue, and everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. You know that one. Uh, those are. That's not true. <laughs> we like it. We like to think it's true, but you know. Um, words hurt. All of us carry scars because of things people said about us or to us. Every one of us. But words can really hurt. And, and, and great harm can be done by our words, yes, but have you ever thought of the harm done by not saying what needs to be said? For example, what if you're married 50 years and you never say to your wife, I love you, honey? Well, you're not married anymore, are you? You're not married 50 years if you never say I love you to your wife. Um, what, if, what, is, what is the harm about not saying I'm sorry? What is the harm of not saying thank you? What is the not harm? What is the harm of not saying please forgive me? I was wrong. What's the harm in that? There's a lot of harm that comes from not saying what we ought to say. So, what happens in our relationship with God? When we don't do what needs to be done. What about when we don't confess our sins? What happens? Well, we get a hard heart. uh, We we mess up our relationship with God. Uh, What if we don't witness? What if we don't share our faith in Jesus with other people? What happens then? Well, we're disobeying. uh, People don't hear the gospel and so on and so forth. Now, what if we don't thank and praise God? What happens then? Well, it interferes with our relationship with God because then we become ingrateful. We start thinking what we have came because of what we do. Because of us, it leads us to thinking that all we have is from us instead of God. See, the title of the sermon today is Stones on Standby. Stones on Standby. Why? Because the stones will praise God if we do not. Luke 19. That's what Jesus said, by the way. Luke 19, verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why? Because they had just said, Blessed, they were speaking well of God, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they said, tell them to shut up. Now here's what Jesus said. I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. They will not be able to help themselves. (laughs) See, if if we don't thank God and praise God, the the stones will. The literal stones. The rocks on the ground. Uh, By the way, I think stones on standby would be a great name for a worship band. Stones on standby. But they're waiting in the wings in case we don't do what we're supposed to do. In case we don't worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We can't leave unsaid what needs to be said to God. Uh... Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know, does that sound familiar? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, we used to sing this song, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When we say what needs to be said, we do what needs to be done, guess what we'll be doing? We'll be fulfilling the great command. Love God Love others. And see, if we thank God appropriately, if we return to God what is rightfully His appropriately, then our, our dealings with people will most likely have a better chance of being appropriate as well. Not to gain an advantage or to make someone like us or to flatter them, or to, but to build them up. And it starts with our relationship with God. If we try to thank others in our own strength, it'll get us only so far. It might even spoil on us. Ultimately, it will be empty. But in our relationships, even with each other, we need to say what needs to be said. Flowing out of our relationship with God. Thank you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I love you. Keep track of that for one day. Get a three by five card and keep track of what comes out of your mouth. Jesus said the, the, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. I've, uh, I've said that to you a lot too because I have issues with it. I got problems with what comes out of my mouth and it shows what fills my heart. Uh, what comes out of your mouth? Is it garbage or is it gratefulness? <laughs> Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word, literally rotten, garbage, let no garbage come out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that may give grace to those who hear. What if we operated under that rule of speaking? We wouldn't gossip. We wouldn't slander. We wouldn't say things behind people's back that we shouldn't say. We wouldn't hurt each other with our words but we would if we did that we'd have a better chance of praising god too thanking god see thanksgiving is an integral part of a christian's life without it things go flat they go bland they they go tasteless i got a friend who can't taste i feel really bad for him he can't taste garlic or anything like that but without thankfulness we grow inward we we become ungrateful bitter self-centered But true thanksgiving flows out of hearts that have been captured by Jesus, where Jesus is Lord, fixed on Jesus. And this passionate devotion for Jesus breeds thankfulness. We live in a time when the greatest issues facing the world are the issues of spiritual emptiness and egocentric living, those are the real issues. Spiritual emptiness and egocentric living. And what is the answer? For the whole world to fall down and worship God. That's the answer. To live lives of worship, giving God what is due him. And I just wanted to start right here with me and start with us. The stones are on standby, so let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your goodness. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We adore you. We worship you. We want to give you, Lord, what is due you.